the big jump came when I understood the concept of unique ability, that the best thing I could do is hire people around me, I've heard you say this, that were smarter and better in ways than I was. Hey friends, it's Steve. If I offered to write a client getting book for you in just 60 days, would you take me up on it? I've recorded a 15 minute video showing you our magnetic author method and explaining how it all works. It's up now at magneticauthor.co slash video. Welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. We are doing uh, the third in a series of joint episodes with my buddy, John Curry. Uh, and these will be also published on the Advisor Inner Circle podcast and uh, John's uh, Secure Retirement podcast. So uh, great to have all of the, the different audiences and listeners here with us. Um, and just to set the stage a little bit, if you haven't heard the other two episodes, you might be wondering why are all of why are we doing all these joint episodes? They don't seem to go together. Well, John had uh, health crisis about. Uh, four months ago now. And there are a lot of lessons that have come out of that. And so in the first of these three episodes, we talked a little bit about that health crisis, which included, uh, unfortunately, his right leg being amputated above the knee and then a second surgery to follow on the left leg uh, to repair some stuff in there. And and uh, we talked a little bit about, about uh, the mindset lessons that came out of that because John's recovery has been, I think, at least as a as someone who's got to observe it up close, it's been um, pretty remarkable to watch uh, the the determination to uh, get better and and to improve and to move forward. And so we talked about that in the first episode, John. Then in the second episode, we talked about productivity because I gave you the nickname, the most productive man in <laughs> rehab, because of all the things that you were getting accomplished from your rehab bed on the outside world. You're probably having more of an impact on your world than most people would have when they're walking around on two legs and, and uh, not sitting in a hospital bed. And so that leads us to uh, this third and what I think will probably be the last episode in the series. Um, and folks, in this episode, we're going to talk about team because what really was, I think for me, the most amazing thing to watch was just uh, to watch how, John, your business clicked along really without, I mean, certainly it was impacted because you weren't there, but, but not in the way that most would be. I mean, a lot of businesses, if the, if the owner, the founder, the leader had been gone for four months because of a health crisis, they'd be out of business. You didn't have that happen. In fact, I believe you guys actually grew in terms of number of new clients and, and revenue and all those sorts of things while you were out. And so your team did a phenomenal job. And that didn't happen by accident. And I want to talk about what led to that, uh, which what led to it has occurred over the years prior to, to this crisis, you know, and when what we wa watched over the last four months is really just the result of all the work that you put in uh, and they've put in leading up to. So that's, that's sort of the frame for today's conversation. So let's talk about your team a little bit. You didn't always have this team in place. And so tell me a little bit about why you decided at some point in your career to build the team? Well, you're, you're correct. Early on, I was what uh, Dan Sullivan would call a rugged individual, uh, rugged individualist, if you would, because I had to do it all myself. And, and I didn't, like most people starting a business, I didn't have an assistant. I had to do it myself. And then one day it hit me, I had a choice. I could give up some of the income, some of the profit, and hire someone to help free up my time, 
which would allow me to be more productive. And that was a big deal because everyone around me was saying, yeah, why would you spend your money doing that? You could use the office staff you know, from the firm. Why would you spend your money hiring someone to help you? And if you start off as a part-time person, then later a full-time person, and then later a full-time and a part-time, and then later to a team of uh, four people. But Dan Sullivan talks about the being the rugged individual versus building a team of people who have unique abilities. He calls it the unique team framework. And once I learned, started learning some of that in uh, October 1994, I started getting real serious about learning everything that I get my hands on, reading it, studying about um, being a good leader, building a team. Uh, part of my fascination with uh, that is Navy SEALs, any type of special ops for the Air Force, Marines, Army, because those teams have to be precise, very precision driven. And their motto is no person left behind, no man left behind. Uh, you, you fight like hell for each other. You fight with each other too at times, but you you protect each other. And uh, as I say, I've got your six. I got your back. So that was part of the fascination because of doing martial arts training. Okay, that's your individual, but you have a team around you and getting prepared typically. I know when I was doing kickboxing in Thailand, you did. But all, all of that just pretty much uh, started working on the mindset of, okay, I can either do it all by myself and wear myself out, or I can go find people that can help me. But the big jump came when I understood the concept of unique ability, that the best thing I could do is hire people around me, I've heard you say this, that were smarter and better in ways than I was. Most people in business are threatened by that. Uh, most people in the military were threatened. I had people that I reported to that were fearful that I was going to pass them. And one day I had a chat with a tech sergeant. I said, I said, Sergeant, you do understand that if I help you move up, I get to move up too. So you go up, I go up. So let me help you. And all of a sudden it hit. And the team we have today, uh, I've had several good teams over the years, but this is by far the most productive that we've been. And it started seven years ago. Uh, when April joined me, April Schoen, and she was a uh, paid uh, salary employee for five years. But I realized early on, Steve, you've known her for during this time, that she had the ability to be much more than just an administrative assistant. So early on, I got her involved in dealing with clients. Uh, it was uncomfortable for her at times. You ask her today, she'd say, yep, he threw me in the pool, deep end. But she did well. Clients liked her. She liked clients. And I have told many people during my career, 46 years now, I can teach you a lot about financial planning, investments, taxes, insurance. What I can teach you is to care about people. You either have that wired into your system, you love people, you care about them, want to help them, or you don't. You don't. But I'll, let me pause there and you jump in. Any, any questions or direction you want me to take from there? Well, I look, in, in business, you you need to sort of be that rugged individual at the very beginning sometimes. Yes. yes. You, know, you often don't have enough uh, cash flow to go and hire a team. Although these days that is easier than it has ever been with the kind of gig economy and the virtual workforce and everything. So you can buy parts of, of people's time and do that very effectively to grow. But 
you know, so a lot of people start off kind of doing everything and, and believing that they are the best, you know, at, at doing it. You told me a story before we started recording, you know, about, you know, with the amputation and you're, sometimes you feel like you're so focused of I'm, I'm getting through this, I'm pushing, I'm, I'm going. And, you know, when people offer help, <laughs> you have to kind of remind yourself to accept it, you know, to be accepting of it. Um, and, I, you know, I think, I think that's a hard thing sometimes to do. I mean, we're all taught to be independent. I have a hard time with it. You know, I don't want to be a burden on anybody. And so I've sometimes I'm, I'm just wired to, uh, to want to push forward and do it myself, but that isn't always the, the best approach. Well, let's address that as it relates to, to the team that I'm very fortunate to be a part of. So I'm going to explain who the teammates are, and then we'll come back and talk about, I'm not going to talk about their role because our role is real simple. We do whatever it takes to take care of our clients. So that might be me doing something. It might be April. It might be Jay. So there's April Schoen, Jay Wood, Audie Ritter, and Zach Herschler, and John Curry. And when it started originally, I've had assistants throughout the years, and I've had teams. But with April, I could see that she had the ability, if she wanted to, to become a financial advisor in her own right. She didn't see that yet, but I saw. And but the, the challenge was, how do I help her grow without pushing her? So we had candid conversations along the way. And I said, when you're ready, let me know. And when she was ready, she said, hey, I'm, I'm scared of this, but I'm ready. I said, good. So we'll start grooming it, getting you there. And then uh, she was pregnant with a second child, had the opportunity to bring Jay on because sadly, one of our colleagues had died. His son took over his practice, chose not to continue, didn't want to do that anymore. So I inherited clients as well as the opportunity to hire Jay. And I said, Jay, let's talk. Uh, I have a space for you while April's out on maternity leave for sure. I can't promise anything beyond that, but if you can do what I think you can, they'll have a place for you. So he's been with me four and a half years now, I think, doing extremely well. And then along the way, we needed someone to help us. So uh, April recruited and hired and trained Audie. And then last year, she brought uh, Zach Herschler to the table. So we have a team of people who are loving and caring, and uh, they're good at what they do. And you're correct. When I was out, uh, we talked on a regular basis, but I had very limited involvement with clients because it was very cumbersome trying to I tried one one day, a Zoom call, but when you got nurses coming in and out and technicians, you can't do it. Well, how many times did we get interrupted when you came to the hospital room that day to see me? Oh yeah, and when we when we talk on the phone, it wasn't unusual for you to tell me you had to call me back because yeah. somebody'd come in to poke or prod with something. Yep. Yeah. So so I had to work around that, but, but I just want to make this point about the team, and I'm, I'm going to let you move forward on the team. The team for me became. When I realized it's not just about freeing up my time, it was about creating economic, economic opportunity for people around me, but also creating not just the money for them, the growth personally. See, we human beings are built and we're hardwired to grow and, and do better and to help people. Now, you've got exceptions of people who are the, the bad people out there. They're, they're the ones who hurt people, the steal, things like that. But most people are hardwired to want to serve uh, mankind in some way. 
So somehow or another, I made that connection, that click. That, okay, it's not just about, I'm not dumping work on someone. I'm giving someone work that's meaningful to allow them to earn an income for their family, to grow, to be challenged. And when I'm when I hit, when that hit and I, I got that, the team came together. Team got together. And then by having April, who basically has been managing the team, uh, I'm very blessed. Very blessed. I was talking with some people just yesterday about her. I said, would you ever have uh, moments where you butt heads? And I see a little bit, a little bit, but, but isn't that true anywhere? But we always do it with respect. You know, so uh, you look at any any sports team. They're going to argue. And what we do, we do just like a football player. If I make a mistake, I drop the ball. That's on me. If I'm the quarterback and I throw a bad pass, hey, that's on me. I don't want to hear excuses. And I don't hear blaming. Uh, well, you threw a bad pass. So what? Yeah. Catch it or don't catch it. But let's just own up to our what we did improperly and deal with it. But we've got a strong team for that. And then the, the other part of the team is choosing clientele, your customers wisely. Uh, don't take everyone as a client. If it's not a good fit and you know it up front, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, so – Observing all of this, um, as I've had the the privilege of doing, as you've gone through these last four months and this this you know incredible challenge that you've had and you still have, you know, a lot of businesses would have folded if the owner was absent for four months, you know, and, and incapacitated, you know, and un, unable to to really work or, or do much for a good bit of that time. But you know, your team has thrived. The business has grown. Clients have ser- have, have been served um, and served well from everything I've gathered. And uh, it's, it's interesting because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and there seems to be somewhere along the lines, a, a dividing line where you've got some entrepreneurs who sort of build the business around themselves and their talent. And they, they get people on the team who are less skilled than they are in virtually every area to do sort of the menial tasks, you know? True. Okay. And and they're not really going to grow and they're never going to have the kind of experience, nor are they ever going to give their clients or their customers the kind of experience that those people are actually really paying for. Right. And then there are others who have made that leap where they've begun to pull together people who are more talented than they are or have different talents to support and, you know, and they've got this vision where they're, you know, they're building this thing out so that the business itself almost becomes a product. And that's, uh, that's been talked about before by, um, you know, by others, but this idea that the, the thing you're actually building isn't what you're selling. It's, it's the business itself is, is the, the product that you're creating. And that's really what people are buying into. Um, and the team is a big, big part of that. And I think, there are a lot of reasons to do it selfishly as, as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, because of the freedom that it affords you. You've been free to focus on your recovery. You know, you didn't come out of surgery going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to get the business back up and running? Right. And to a person, everybody, April, Jay, Audie, Zach, every one of them and, and colleagues in the firm has been, hey, take your time, get better. We got this. And when they needed me, they'd say, hey, we need you. You know, they'd send me a text or call me. And I'd check in. Did you need me? And and most of the time, frankly, I didn't have to do a lot of checking in. It's just a matter of, hey, I'm here. 
if you need me, letting them know, hey, I'm in between, I'm in between getting shots and taking medications. Do you, do you need me for a few minutes? And then when I was needed, I was able to step up and, and do it. But I was thinking about something um, from the standpoint of we have a choice in life. We can do it all by ourselves or we can step back. And what you're alluding to earlier uh, at the post office the other day, a lady offered to push me. Uh, she said, would you allow me to push you to your vehicle? And I said, thank you, but no, I've got this. And then it dawned on me, um, you know, somebody taught me years ago, 30 years plus years ago, when you tell me no, I'm trying to give you something, you are depriving me of the joy of giving you that gift. And I've had to battle that because I'm trying, I'm not trying, I'm doing it. Uh, I hate the word try. As Yoda told Luke Skywalker, there is no try, there's do or do not. I'm attempting, I'm working at constantly, constantly getting better and stronger because I've got a challenge here. This, this was a real damn deal. I failed three times after getting home after the first episode. My, my biggest danger to me is a fall, twisting an ankle, twisting a knee, breaking a hip. That happens. I'm screwed. And it changes your whole thought process. Like you said this morning before we got on the very first uh, podcast about and you were somewhere for some training that said, you know, three points of contact. Same thing going from the wheelchair to this. What I, what I was sharing with Steve, folks, is every now and then I have this tendency to want to just hop off this bar stool. Well, if I do that, I've not been drinking, I promise you, but I'm sitting at a kitchen counter on a bar stool. I promise you that if I do that, I will hit the floor if this wheelchair is not beside me because there's no leg to catch to help me below the knee there. <laughs> So, so I have to always constantly be aware, slow down, take your time, which is probably a good mantra. Anyway, just slow down, slow it all down some and do it right. Well, and and I think it's reinforced the importance of um, surrounding yourself with people who want to help yes. with a team. And, and you've built multiple teams out. So you had a health team. We've talked a little bit about that on prior episodes. Um, you've had you know, a, a team that's remodeling your home. Uh, you've had a team that helped you get the, the right vehicle that you need. Uh, you've recruited teams in all of these different, I mean, the, the whole story of the vehicles to me, you told me about that. I mean, you had owners of two different dealerships personally <laughs> aiding you. True. Yeah, one of them you knew, one of them you knew, I think prior, the other one you didn't know, but somebody connected you with right. and you know, you and you said, um, you probably didn't use the, these terms, but I, I like to use this idea of mission because we're all on a mission. If we're, if we're going anywhere, if we're growing, we're on a mission. And what I've discovered is when you share that mission and you're clear about where you're going and you tell somebody, this is, this is my mission. This is where I'm going. So with those trucks, I mean, to break it down to the, the simple level, your mission was I got to get a truck that I can actually use that I can get, you know, if I'm standing on one leg, cause I only got one left, <laughs> I can get, I can get a wheelchair in and out of it by myself so that I'm not dependent on anybody to get me anywhere. Right. So that's the mission. I want my yes. independence. Yep. The two vehicles you had didn't work. And so you found one dealer that you knew, I think where you bought the, the two trucks to begin with said, well, 
there's a huge demand for trucks right now. You're having a conversation with them. I'll buy that back from you because I can go sell it, you know? And so, so you got that one sold and then you found that there was only one company that made the kind of door configuration that you needed on a vehicle to be able to do what you needed to do. And, and uh, turns out you had somebody in your network that knew the owner of the dealership of the only brand that sells that kind of vehicle. And what, within and the 24 only, hours? And, and the only one in town too, the only one on the lot. And the only one in town. And within 24 hours, you were on a, a phone call with the owner of this dealership. And because you had this mission and said, this is what I've got to accomplish, he was able to jump into action and help you personally, you know, and, and get his team engaged in helping you. And so from your, your rehab bed, this, this kind of ad hoc team that was purpose built for this specific mission, because you were clear about the mission was able to take care of all of it while you're sitting in the hospital bed. Correct. And, and, and I come back to, I was clear about what I wanted about the mission and what I needed, because sometimes what you want is not what you need and vice versa. But in this case, I truly wanted and needed a particular uh, vehicle. And it happened quickly. In fact, one thing wasn't within 24 hours, it was within 24 minutes of hanging up from the contact uh, that I had the guy on the phone. And then he had his guy call me, so we started all of it in motion. But back to this team thing, I want to share this real fast. Jack Welch, who led General Electric for many years as the chairman, said that the role of a leader is to create more leaders. And Welch is credited even today with creating more Fortune 500 execs uh, and CEOs than any other uh, corporate leader. Because he understood something, that yes, you get a certain amount of credit just by being at the top. You're going to get that anyway. Just by That's called positional power. But if you, if you rely on that only, then you've weakened your proposition because now it's all about you. Me, 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 me. True leaders share that. They share that. And they're okay in stepping out of that spotlight and saying, hey, you know, April, Jay, Audie, Zach, Steve, because we consider you part of the team. So when you do that properly, you are giving credit, number one, where credit is due. And you're freeing up yourself to not have to do every little thing. But if you imagine, let's change this. Let's suppose that I'd been in one of these guys where I had to know every little thing, every little thing, every little thing. How much healing would be going on if I'm on the phone constantly? Hey, what about this? I thought about this. What about this? What about this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Well, you screwed this up. I saw the email. It's wrong. You, you can't heal. Hell, you make yourself worse. And I'm grateful and blessed that I have a team around me of people that, number one, I can trust, I can depend on to get things done. And I have to trust that if they find that they are up against an obstacle, uh, that they will seek help either from me or someone else. Now, in their case, they would go elsewhere and only involve me as needed because they didn't want to bother me. They wanted me to heal. Now, now they're saying, hey, okay, get your butt back in here. Time to go to work now. So I've been going back to work and I love it. I need to be there. That's part of healing too, by the way, because when, what happens when you dwell on your own problems? They get bigger, they get worse. It's awful. But if you're serving other people and you're helping take care of their problems, you don't think about your problems, do you? No, they go away. They disappear, at least for that time frame. So mm -hmm. serving others is more important because not only do you feel good, 
So you get the feel good, you get the endorphins, but you also, if you are successful in business and the, they choose to do business with you, they benefited and you benefited and your team around you benefits. So I want to go back to this, this idea uh, of team. And I think there's a fundamental difference between the people who choose to build it. And I think you can change your mind at any point. You can become a person who chooses to build a team um, and be team focused at any point. But there's this difference of, of mindset between scarcity and fear. So the people that tend not to build a team are afraid that somebody else is going to get the credit. They're afraid maybe that if they let go of something, it's not going to happen exactly as they would have done it. They, they live in fear and in scarcity and they're not fun right. people to be around at all. And in fact, if you're abundance minded, you'll find out pretty quickly that you can't be around them, that, you know, that you're just incompatible because they see the world very fundamentally differently. But the people who look to build that team look at their look at the world and say, there's so much opportunity out here for growth that I'll get all I ever want and I'll never run out. And I can bring all of these people along and I can help them get all they ever want and they'll never run out. And we could do this together and it'd be a lot of fun and it'd be gratifying and edifying for everybody. That's true. I don't know where I learned this, but I remember seeing it as a motto somewhere team together everyone achieves more but if we're fighting and bickering and pulling each other apart what do you have so think about that build a team and then together everyone achieves more yeah i so I, had a, life, I i actually had a friend one time what was that i was just gonna say you know there are these posters that you know you can buy that are a little cheesy that say that there's no i in team right and for some reason that popped into my head. My wife has uh, has a little thing on her window because she manages about 40 people. And it says, yeah, um, there is an I in team. It's in the A-hole. And, <laughs> and you have to look at the way it's written. If you look yeah. at the way block I is, or block yeah. A, is, there's an I in the middle. It has an I in it, yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, anyway. Um, I, I digress, but uh, made me think of that. And and the people who who don't look to build that often, they fit that that model though, because they're they're generally just out for themselves. Now, you you mentioned your clients as team members, and some of them may be listening to this. And 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 so I watched as well. So when when you went through the first surgery, April got with me. I think day or two after you had come out of it, and said, "Look, we need to put an email out and let." folks know what happened. And I, you know, helped her write that. And we, I think we came up with a, a good way of conveying what, you know, what this very shocking thing was. And I would I think she and I both were still at the stage of shock with what was going on. I'm sure you were too. <laughs> uh, it wasn't happening to us. So we, we put this message out and the flood of responses that came back from your, your client team, you know, was, I think, just amazing. And it wasn't just, oh, we hope you get better and all of that. You could sense in the responses that they were pitching in and doing their part, that they weren't abandoning you. They weren't abandoning Team Curry. They knew that they were going to be taken care of by the work team and they were going to do their part and work with the work team and not complain about it and not go, oh, I, I want to, I got to talk to John. They knew that they were taken care of and they were kind of pitching in and doing what they needed to do 
to support the whole thing because you built this this collaborative relationship with the with your clients all the way along and i think that's to me that that's what a building a business really is all about it is and i will tell you that properly done i'm convinced that as long as i want to work and can work because of health that i have relationships that will be in place for the rest of my life i was at a dinner wednesday night and a friend been bugging me about buying me dinner. So we, we went to, to a governor's club together and several people that we both knew saw us, came by and said, hello. Uh, some of it was, oh my God, what happened? And, uh, and the common theme that came out of it, and sometimes I almost get tired of hearing this, but the common theme that, that was expressed was, well, if this had to happen to anybody, uh, it, it, you're the right person. And they're referring to my mental, physical uh, mindset of being strong. But there are some times when you say, I just want to say, well, I'm tired of being strong, damn it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you got to keep going. What's the alternative? Well, that's just it. I, you know, it's easy to say that. It's easy to say I'm tired of being strong, you know, or I want to give up or whatever. But literally, what is the alternative? There is none. For me, I, I've only had two occasions. Uh, one was in rehab. This is important to share this because everybody will think that I, I don't claim to be Superman. Sometimes I feel like it, but I don't have an S on my chest and blue underwear, so I'm not Superman. But I was in rehab the second time. And it was the second time was more difficult because the first time, yes, I had an amputation, but I had uh, a good leg. You know, second time around, I had an amputation and I had a left leg that was not so good. But I had a moment of where uh, I was on a machine that was like, basically it's an elliptical that you sit on and the recumbent elliptical. And I loved using that machine. But I had a moment of where I, my right leg is non-existent. My right foot was trying to, my leg raised up to put his, the foot on the pedal. And I started crying. Wasn't any boohooing, just tears just started flowing. And the therapist saw it, so she reached around me and handed me some uh, tissues. She says, do you want to talk about it? I said, I do. She said, you know what just happened? I said, I do. It's, it's the brain sending the signal to the leg, put the foot on the pedal, pedal, but the foot wasn't there. So I had a moment there of where it was kind of like, damn, you know, a tough realization. The second time I'm sitting at the very counter I'm at now, but I was in the wheelchair sitting here talking with Susie. And I mean, just out of nowhere, tears just started flowing. She says, are you okay? I said, I am. I don't know where they came from. But that, that was different in the sense that it was tears of, I'm okay. It's going to be all right. You know, and there are times when you could put on this macho front, and there's times when, you know what, you're just going to sit there and go, just cry like a baby. And um, it's okay. There are times you need to be strong, times you need to be weak, but there's also the attitude that you take about when you build a team around you, people that are smarter than you, you should take pride in that because you're helping them grow financially, grow personally. Uh, their families are growing. The people they're serving are being benefited. But I, I've got colleagues that I know very well, known for many, many years, decades, who they still haven't gotten past that. It's all about how great they are. You know, when I get stuff from the home office, I, I'm quick to say, hey, I didn't do this. Team Curry did it. it. wasn't just me. Come on. 
Now, when I was younger, I didn't have sense of it. I was too stupid. And I didn't have the wisdom to do that. But I think as you learn and you grow and you have less and less to prove, I'll just be candid. The only thing I got to prove anymore is to what I want to do. I don't have any, I don't have any, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Quotas or uh, goals or awards that somebody says, well, if you don't do this, you're a failure. Well, okay, I'm a failure then. Thank you very much. Well, since you're the master of secure retirement, you, uh, <laughs> you've invented the the secure retirement method, right? Let's, let's talk a little bit about how team impacts how you think about retirement because you and I have talked about retirement before um, privately. And, and uh, I know that you don't really have any intention of retiring. I don't have any intention of retiring, not in the traditional sense. Anyway, my view of retirement is I want to retire from all the stuff that I don't want to do. Right. And I, and there are things about what I do for a living that I absolutely love. And I'd be frankly kind of upset if I didn't get to do them on a daily basis for as long as I live. Uh, I, you know, you know, I love to play golf. Um, I could not fill my days playing golf. Right. I, I'd get tired of that there, you know, yeah, it's fun, but not at that volume. So it's not always fun. <laughs> well, yeah, there Bad are. Shot. Yeah, there, there's that. Um, but, you know, so I, my view of retirement, you know, and I, I think we mentioned in the last episode that I turned 50 a few weeks ago. Um, is that my retirement starts now and I'm retiring from all the stuff that I don't want to do anymore. Well, the only way for me to do that and then actually continue to, you know, make a living and increase wealth and, and help people is to build a team around me of not, not people that I'm hiring because they're going to come do the menial stuff. No, it's that they're really good and love doing the things that I am not very good at and don't like doing. And uh, Lauren on our team is a perfect example of that. I mean, she will coordinate my calendar and schedule and all of this stuff that I'm terrible. I, I, you know, I give, I'm like, I, I don't want to touch that, you know, and, and, but she does it in such a way where she has these conversations with the clients and they love it. And she gets, you know, fulfilled out of that. She enjoys that having that interaction. And because she enjoys it, the clients have a good experience. I get, you know, love letters from them saying how how cool it was to interact with her, you know? So that to me, that's an example of, you know, everybody grows there. I get to retire from something that I'm not good at and shouldn't be doing and don't like doing. And now I've got somebody on the team in that, just in that one small area. And she does a lot more than that, but in that one small area, she makes a big impact. And, uh, you know, and, and you've done that with your team as well. So you've got, a team of uh, five core people, uh, you plus four others. And, uh, you know, and then you've got a team out around that. And those people are always growing, but it's all because you've kind of made the decision that uh, I'm going to create this thing in a way that it's, it's bigger than me. Correct. And I want it to be much bigger than me because I want to make sure that the people that are most important are taken care of. And, uh, but from a selfish standpoint, I want to be able to retire from the things that I don't enjoy doing, that I'm not good at doing. And, and one of the biggest weaknesses for people doing that is they think, well, I'm dumping something on someone. And I learned from uh, Dan Sullivan back in October of 1994, it was a major aha. I'm like, wow, 
you know, you don't hire people because you're dumping junk on them. You're hiring people because they really want to do that particular task. Now, if you're hiring someone who hates doing that also, then you'd better not hire them. That won't work. But if you're hiring someone who loves doing that particular task, then you know, leave them alone. Let them do it. Coach them, teach them, guide them, but let them put their own spin on it. And that was difficult because in the business that I've been in all these years, you know, it's a rugged individual, you know, rugged, rugged, you got to do it. I did it. I did it. You know, and the theme to that is Frank Sinatra's song. I did it my way. <laughs> you might've done it your way, Frank, but you sure as hell had a band supporting you. You didn't just sing by yourself. That's right. Well, he had a band, he had <laughs> piano movers, he had roadies setting things up. I mean, there that's was right. a, a whole enterprise behind that. And that's the point. I think to do anything significant, you have to build a team of people around you who believe in your mission, who are enrolled in that mission, want to want to come along with you, um, wow. almost like it's an adventure, you know? Well, there's a book written that I, and I forget who wrote it, but it's called Coopetition Versus Competition. You know, when I want to find ways to uh, find ways to cooperate instead of in our society right now, and our politicians in Washington would certainly learn from that. Why you got to fight about every damn thing? Why can't we just lock the doors and say, you know what? We have real issues here. Let's list them all. Well, we can't list them all. Why don't we list about three or four that are most important, attack those and get them done and not worry about who gets credit and quit blaming each other. And let's just say, you know what? Our job is to serve the American people. Our job is to serve our clientele, whoever it is you choose to serve. And I've had people say, I don't serve anybody. I said, well, I feel sorry for you then. You have a miserable life. I go, what? Well, if your attitude is the whole world serving you, you must be one miserable dude or dudette because you're not going to be happy because we're built to serve. You know? <laughs> I could get on the soapbox real big, right? I think I'll shut up while I while I'm ahead. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I think the key the key in all of this is to understand what kind of game you're playing. You know, for me, the the people the people who tend to shy away from building a team, they they tend to think that for for whatever reason they can't. Either they can't find people who will do it good enough, or they can't afford to do it. Um, I know you and I both share this this belief. Every time I've I've added somebody to the team, my my income has multiplied. You know, but you have to understand the game that you're playing. So you mentioned politics, and politics is a zero sum game. So you either win the seat, win the election, or you don't. Right? That you can't have two two winners of the election. Right? Right. That's right. Uh, at least at least if it's done correctly. So, uh, but business isn't like that, and most of the rest of life isn't like that. You know, business is never a zero sum game. There are, there is infinite opportunity. And so as a result, you don't have to play it like that. You, you can create a team, you can go out there and you can, uh, you can find these ways to not only help a lot of people, but, uh, but also give folks a lot of opportunity to grow and, and grow yourself in the process. There was a great um, advertisement. I forget now what they were promoting, but it was uh, Arnold Palmer's voice. I think it was just promoting the game of golf. But they, he showed, he, he had the most awkward swing in the world. People said he'll never make it as a pro. And he, the whole thing is this voice so nice in the background. Play your game. Play your swing. And we're so caught up. And I was, first third of my career, you know, 
I got to be like this one. I got to be like this person, like this person. And finally, one day it dawned on me, you know what? Just be yourself, John. Be yourself. Play your game. And I've used the analogy many times. You probably remember it. You know, I, I like football. And I played football in high school. You know, so we're playing football here. If you show up wearing your tennis shorts and your tennis racket, you're probably going to get hurt because we got pads on and we're going to be smacking the heck out of you. And you're not going to like that. Likewise, if you get me on the tennis court, you're going to run me to death and probably kill me in about five minutes because you run me to death. So, but you're right. It goes back to knowing what you want. Okay, what game do you want to play with your life? Because you've got so damn many people who are quick to tell you how you should think, what you should do, how you, where you should live, how you should dress. And you know what? Be yourself and go for it. And you will attract more people to you that respect you, but you may, you, you will repel some, you will repel some because they won't like you. They won't like what you stand for. And that's okay. And I'm, I'm the piece of that. Yeah. Well, I don't like using the word should, but I, I will use it in this case. Um, I do think those who are listening, particularly the entrepreneurs, you should be thinking about how do I build a team? How do I find the people who will support, support me in, in what I want to accomplish. And, and I think really in all areas of life, I mean, we've talked about, you know, building the team to mow the grass and building the team to remodel your house. And, you know, the, the, the metaphor works in a lot of different ways, but because you've been able to do that, just to kind of put a bow on everything here for us, because you've been able to do that, you accomplished a great deal, even while you were fairly incapacitated and going through this healing process, not only in business, but in other areas of your life, because you enlisted people in that mission, you attracted the people in that team that you needed to support you, and you were able to keep moving things forward in ways that you couldn't have done by yourself. Sometimes the best thoughts are spontaneous. I just had this thought. I just took a $100 bill out of my wallet. So what you really want to do is get to the point of where you're trading some money for other people's time because now they need the money and you need their time. So what you're doing is you're exchanging. And sometimes it's a matter of exchanging time for another person's time. I've had people ask me about our relationship, Steve. Okay, why in the world would you spend most of a Friday that's a free day with John Curry or with Steve Gordon? And our answer is the same every time, folks, because we're getting so much value by growing and learning from each other. Steve challenges me on things. I challenge him on things. Sometimes we'll do what the other day called me, said, I need five minutes. Can you question and answer? And I challenge him on something. He goes, whoa, you're right. Let me work on it. And then there's other times he's like, well, no, thank you. I'm doing my way. (laughs) (laughs) I reserve the right to disagree. And I reserve the right to be wrong too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, this has been a great series. Um, I, I'll just tell you personally, I'm so glad we're getting to do this again. It's been uh, about six months since we recorded a joint episode like this together. I've been through a hell of a lot. I'm glad you're back. And I'm especially uh, glad to be here. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm privileged just to have been able to watch uh, from the outside. I want to say this, a loud, big thank you and appreciation to April, Jay, Audie, and Zach. 
I know you'd be listening to this at some point. I appreciate you so much. I love you guys. Thank you for uh, allowing me the ability to heal up and and uh, not kicking me out totally, letting me come back in and work some. Love you guys. All right. Well, folks, with that, I hope these episodes have been beneficial. I hope you've you've learned something. We wanted to share some of the the lessons and observations that I took from you know walking next to John through this journey of uh, challenge and adversity and healing that he's been through and, and now growth, because I do think there's a lot to learn. So hopefully you've gained something out of it. And uh, my friend, we're at the end of uh, our three episodes and it's time to uh, meet, get some lunch and have a glass of bourbon. So I'll see you there. All right, my friend. Bye folks. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.